1: Here we go. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Rider podcast, and there, right there, was your weekly reminder that we don't suck. Thank you, Kurt Angle, as always, for that great intro. My name is Alex. I'm still Steve,
0: and I'm just a sexy Greg.
1: <laughs> will you make my ankle hurt? Is it doesn't rhyme. I was I was I
0: was trying to come up with a rhyme for Greg, and none of them leg. Well, leg. Yeah, well. How do you transition? It's like I'm not, I'm going to hurt your leg. Sure, I guess.
1: I guess so. <laughs> I wish people could
2: hear my blank stare right now, because I have <laughs> no idea what's going on.
0: One of the best buildups for WrestleMania ever. Kurt Angle, even though he is the Olympic hero, uh, showed his comedy side by doing the Shawn Michaels theme with Sherry Martel, and he wrote his own lyrics while he sang it, and it was amazing.
1: And I'd like to point out, what was that, WrestleMania 21? Mm. Kurt Angle made Shawn Michaels tap, and that was fantastic. I marked out. That was probably the last time I ever paid attention to the WWE and what they've done. Loved it, because I hate Shawn Michaels, and I'm still not over the fact what? that he ruined my life as a child.
0: Uh, are you talking about when that coward, Marty Jannetty, dove through the window to get away from Shawn Michaels?
1: <laughs> still the greatest call of all time by Brian Heenan. Yes, when he ruined the Rockers, because my ybc bowling group i was like what was i six at the time we were called the rockers because we were all fans of them and i loved marty Janetti. so whenever we when we picked our team we were the rockers and i said to everybody in my group i want to be marty Janetti. turns You're out you were the I, only
0: one that wanted to be marty Gennetti. i was marty Janetti didn't even being. want to be marty Janetti.
1: Yeah, I, turned, I ended up being the Mardi's Genetio group. That's for damn sure. Anyway, <laughs> you can give us a follow at Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. You can find me at Safamod. And
0: please do not follow me at Greg on Sports.
1: Check us out on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash PifflesPodcast. And the website, PifflesPodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out. Let's get to it. Time. For the opening kickoff. And this week, we do have the opening kickoff on the CFL season Thursday night. Are they bringing back the rec laws? Please bring back the rec laws. Please don't bring back the rec laws. You want for the Steve love D. of
2: the Olsen instead? No, I would rather have dead air than both of them.
1: Just complete silence would sound better. Is that your relationship goals, Steve?
0: It's way you too did. early for me to log out of this episode. No, no, it's not. We can, <laughs> I just want to know what you're made of Steve. <laughs>
1: well, it looks like it will be just Greg and I doing the show for the rest of the night. Have a good night, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get to our pick and we'll talk about the game on Thursday night a little bit later on, but uh, let's uh, really quickly get over or go over the riders BC preseason game last Friday night. Uh, obviously, the Riders lost because they always do. It's a preseason game, and they just don't win them. Been what six seasons now? Six full seasons that they've not won a preseason game. So it's just comedy at this point to see how they're going to lose. Once but, again, uh, who cares?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: If you go I in there to last forever, ever, coaches don't care about it. Players don't care about it. You're just going in there to show your personal best, and that's it, just to make the team or just get ready for the season. But first half, the ones played, and we finally got our first look at uh, Cody Fajardo and the offense this uh, this preseason. What did you guys think of the starters? I thought, uh, I mean, it was a little rough going in the first quarter, but that seems to be the case with games in BC. They're always weird, slow starting games. And then once Fajardo kind of got into his groove,
0: it all looked good. Yeah, they had some kinks they had to work out. Obviously, not playing at all in that first game probably didn't help. But uh, with the Cody and the receiving core, I'm not too concerned. And you put the the offensive line looked fairly decent. Uh, then again, BC wasn't exactly bringing a ton of pressure at the same time, but they look solid. So I think, uh, I, I think they're going to look pretty good uh, come this weekend.
2: I mean, I realize it's BC, so it's not its its not much of a litmus test. But the the starters were ahead when they got pulled out of the game. That's what you expect. That's what you want to see. They put together a scoring drive. But do you know who shocked me the most? And it shouldn't because it's early enough in the season.
1: Charleston Hughes. That was uh, next on my list. He had that strip sack. And everybody thought it was Gary Marino. Versus... Yeah, I think it was Gary Marino. Marino.
0: Yeah, Marino. Yeah, yeah Marino. Everybody thought it
1: Marino had the hit uh, on the quarterback, but uh, it was Charleston. Hughes getting the pressure and actually knocking the ball out before he got hit. Uh, so I was encouraged by that because maybe the old man still has it and uh, can be. I mean, I still don't think he's an every down player going forward this season. I think he's best used as a rotational player on that D line. But if that's what we get out of him in a, in a rotation, look out like
0: we, we can all crack jokes at Charleston Hughes' age as much as we want. The man is still in really good shape. Um th- was he dinged up last year? Did Argos use him incorrectly? Probably yes to both. But I think with the rotation with uh, Robertson and the with Marino up the middle, I think NAC on the other side, Charleston's going to have a good season and even if he's not an every down guy anymore, if they do even if they do use him every down Use it until his legs fall off. I guess I'm not concerned with the depth behind him either. I, I think the key to
2: Charleston Hughes is limitation. You don't. We've seen it the last what four or five seasons. He comes out of the gate, blows the 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 league away for weeks, and then just kind of holds on for that sack race uh, title. I I hope that they they keep his legs fresh all year. He's the kind of guy that you'd love to have going great in November more than in June.
1: And uh, one more thing I just want to say about that preseason game, the deep ball was oh so close. Cody to Duke Williams. There was a couple times. The first one uh, was just a touch overthrown, but uh, I'm not going to make a big deal out of that one. I think it could have been placed on the other shoulder, but whatever. That's the first one of the year that we saw and it was preseason. But the second one was called a touchdown. Looked like an incredible catch by Duke Williams. He ended up pinning the ball against uh, his leg, and it did hit the ground. Um, but there was the the pass interference on it that Dickinson challenged and, and won. But it looked like it was right there. So based off of two throws in the preseason, I'm not too terribly worried just yet about that deep ball because I know everybody across the CFL is wondering what the heck's going on with Cody Fajardo and his receivers and the deep ball. So I'm not too worried about that yet.
0: And Cody hit Shaq on some good ones. Cody hit Emilius or Emelis, and uh, I'm I'm happy about a receiving core and Cody Pajardo's play so far. Obviously, preseason, um, the Tie Cats will be the first real test to this, but I'm actually feeling pretty good going into this year.
2: I I don't know how to feel yet. The deep deep ball until he actually completes one. I'm not going to get super excited.
1: Close close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And then uh, after that, of course, was the easiest part of any coach's jobs, the cuts. Uh, nothing really surprising there. The, the, the name value out of that, I guess we'll say running back Shaq Cooper. But with Frankie Hickson uh, showing well in that first game and the second game as well, that one doesn't really surprise me. Blaise Brown, maybe just because he's been around for you know a couple of years with the riders at defensive back. AJ Hendy, but again... Dude pieced out last season when he wasn't getting enough. Yeah, I'm generally.
0: surprised he came back, to be honest. Like the fact that he came back was a miracle. So
1: that one doesn't surprise me. And then the only other one that got me was uh, receiver Jester Weah. He had that uh, nice touchdown catch against uh, Winnipeg in that first game, but they kept uh, their uh, two American receivers anyway on the practice roster with uh, Dooley Armistill, Aristilled, and Tevin Jones. So I'm not surprised by any of these was just well, kind of hoping that jester Wea would be able to make it well, yeah, that,
0: especially because considering he was wearing 82 and he looked like uh why am i drawing a blank on a name name roosevelt thank you oh my god again we would drew a blank on roosevelt especially because roosevelt was the coaching this year <laughs> <laughs> like time traveling name roosevelt right there i think the one that surprised me the most was jester Wea only only because the guy that made
2: the team over top of him in prawl didn't really do anything for me and, I, and it, all the reports out of camp was very similar that that Wia was showing up and and he's the guy that goes i I don't get it that's the one that out of all of the roster moves that's the one that stands out to me as a big huh and
1: actually i have it listed we're going to talk about it a little bit later with uh jacob prowl but man they were really trying to make him a thing in the preseason and it just didn't seem to work out um but the coaching staff obviously has a they, they like him. They have a good feeling about him. That's why they kept him around. Um, of course, the practice roster was announced as well. Um, keeping a couple American O linemen. Andrew Lauderdale, our left tackle from last year. Uh, he's sticking around. A couple receivers. And nice thing is seeing a Canadian draft pick from this past draft for the Riders, Diego Alatorre Mont- Montoya sticking around. So, be good to see them grow that pipeline a little bit. Wasn't Third he a global? No, wasn't he a global? No. Nope.
0: Oh right because right. he could have been a, he
1: could have been a global, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. UBC guy.
0: Yeah. He qualified for both and for some reason he, they decided to drop my draft. So
1: there is your practice roster. I mean it's it's we'll see what happens throughout the season. A few of these guys will get into I'm curious about Tevin Jones, the receiver uh, if he'll get into a game sometime soon just because he does have that NFL pedigree with the uh, what was it Jacksonville Jaguars. And, Does that uh, really count as NFL pedigree, though, if it's hey, with the Jaguars? They've actually had some good receivers. The rest of their team absolutely sucks, but the receivers have been okay. That's true. That's fair.
0: And it could be a situation where Waya was offered a
1: practice roster spot and he said, no thanks. Very possibly. I was hoping he was going to make it just because his uncle is the president of Liberia. What? Yeah. And his, uh, his cousin is uh, one of the best soccer players in the world. Like they're, yeah. Honestly, who's, if you look who's up, his cousin? Uh, that's a great question. I'll have to Google that. I was looking at that not too long ago. Um, this will be an edit. Um, personal life. So he's the nephew of George Weah, who is the current president of Liberia and the only African player to ever win the uh, Ballon d'Or. I don't know how it's pronounced. Ball ba- Ballon d'Or? Ballon d'Or. It's
2: golden ball in French.
1: Yeah. Um, he's also the cousin of Tim Weah, who plays forward for Lily and the U.S. men's soccer team. And, uh, is also the cousin of George Weah Jr., who played, uh, for Paris Saint-Germain. Huh. So he's got some athletic pedigree in him, is what you're saying there. Incredibly
0: talented family right there. Okay, I guess. <laughs> it's soccer it,
1: it, it, soccer's a sport. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, diving without the pool? Yes. I'm not going to dignify to that
2: with a response.
1: Holds it, holds it, holds it. Steve hates us so much this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Regina Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Oh, one and uh, There we go. No, we're good. Oh, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Genius Sports making their first. Uh, big move here with the cfl their first imprint in introducing cfl game zone which is kind of a an app slash website that has it's a
0: web hub for all their pickems that's all it is
1: you have fantasy you have your pickem weekly pickem and the futures picks (sighs) Um, all 10 all 10 of them uh, all it conveniently in one place. And you can win, what was it with the futures? You could win $999. Yes. They couldn't splurge and give you that extra dollar to make it a 1000 Bec- guessing- Well, Because
0: they need a lottery license to do that.
1: Exactly. Is that really what it is? Yeah, that's yep. 100% what
0: it is. In order to that's give fantastic. any more any more than $999, you need a lottery license.
2: Huh. Well, yeah. that's, uh, that's a thing. Isn't, that's isn't cool. that
0: so CFL? It is it it, it yeah. they follow the same rules as a uh, small town 50-50. It is good to see. They they're keeping up with their homegrown roots. God bless them. Like f- I couldn't believe it. I'm like seriously like they're, they're doing that <laughs> one buck short.
1: Like uh...
0: whoever
2: but, wins uh, I'll send you a dollar so that you can
1: say you won a $1,000. <laughs> but I mean good for them for actually getting it all together in one spot making it nice and easy something that probably should have been done what 15 years ago but that's besides the point
0: <laughs> it just looks but so I'm like, cr- like check this genius sport thing. Like, oh cool like get the like press release in my email and open it like it's a website with three links to three other websites of stuff i already do cool all but right it's all in one spot <laughs> it's convenient but she's got a new hat <laughs> exactly it's malibu stacy with a new hat
2: <laughs> i understood <Hey>. that reference
0: <laughs> the, f- the future thing is interesting but just weird random like bo levi mitchell is he really the face of the league now like you think you want to push one of your younger stars um i don't even think bo levi's gonna be the starting quarterback in like, a couple weeks for obvious reasons ooh. ooh. I, I, I i i'm calling downfall of, like every quarterback in the league this year apparently but I think Jake Mayer is a better quarterback than Bo Levi Mitchell right now, and I don't think too many people will argue with me on that. And then, oh, Toronto Argonauts wins. Okay, take the under.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't know about that one. I think Toronto wins the wins
2: the East. You think so again? Hey, I, I think so.
0: I took tie, I'm pretty sure I took the tie cats in that future.
2: Pretty yeah, sure. I definitely took Toronto. We're gonna get a Toronto Saskatchewan Grey Cup because those always work out really well in our favor.
0: No, it's the uh, Saskatchewan uh, Cats. That's why I picked uh, the Cats. That mine was sarcasm there. Grant. I know. I know. That's what, I, I remember Doug Flutie just stomping our throats. <laughs> stupid Doug Flutie going the stupid Argonauts.
1: Hey, we had the lead in that game. Uh, the <laughs> CFL top 50 players was announced on Tuesday night. Sure. And, okay, yeah. Oh. It's a list. <laughs> save, save the rant here. We're going to get to that in just a second, Greg. Number one, Zach Calaro's. Okay, sure. MOP from last year. Um, best player question mark on he's the. He's not best the best team. player on his team. That's the thing. Is like it,
0: full stop. Not the best player on his team.
1: And to me, the best player on his team was number three on this list, Willie Jefferson. But uh, or, sorry, Williams. it was Jefferson two well, Jefferson was yeah. and big. Hill was three. Um, but yeah, when you look at that, the top seven. The bombers had five of them, six, to six, six. and I don't even
0: count. But you're getting me on the rant earlier. He's not even the best receiver in the top ten,
1: and somehow he's on that list. So <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. The highest-rated rider, AC Leonard, at number thirteen. I surprised don't hate you? that. I I'm is AC Leonard
0: the best rider on the list? I would say probably. Is he? Should he be higher than 13? I think so, but... I don't even think A.C. Leonard's the best player on our defense.
1: I'd put Sankey above him. In a heartbeat. See, the problem with how this voting goes is that it's, it's, it's all based on last year. But the people, the media who votes on it takes into account their careers. If you look at just last year, yes, Sankey probably could have been past A.C. Leonard on that list. However, A.C. Leonard has... More years under his belt, more All Star appearances, all that kind of stuff, right? So they have that bias towards these votes as well, which is ridiculous. But but what you also got to think five it's... years ago does not matter
2: for how you're going to play in 2022. But Otherwise, also...
1: Charleston Hughes would be number
0: two on the list at but 38. You also need to remember this is completely arbitrary. What what one guy, what what one voter will go? This is based on this guy's career. And then go to the next player. And go. This is based on what he did last year. No one like, no one has a set guideline
1: on how they do this, and you can tell by the way some of these numbers work out. So going down the list, the riders on the list we mentioned: AC Leonard at thirteen, Cody Fajardo number sixteen, which I think is a fair enough number with the kind of the down year he had in twenty twenty one by his standards anyway. Uh, that, number seven.
0: He, he was the third quarterback on the list, and I
1: don't disagree with that. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Number 17, right after him, Duke Williams. He should have been the highest rated Saskatchewan
2: player, period.
1: Even after only playing a portion of the season. Absolutely.
0: And I guarantee you you
2: expect for them to do in the upcoming season. And if you look at what he did to close out 2021 to have him behind what? Five other receivers.
0: It's a joke. And I think the part of the reason why he's that low is because yeah, he didn't play a full season last year. So that's exactly why he ended up down there out of the top 10 when you got Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, Eugene Lewis, and Kenny
1: freaking Lawler above him. Number 23, Darnell Sankey, of course, monster. No, 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 he's from Calgary.
0: He's from Calgary, according to this list.
1: Yeah, Well, they screwed up on that. Well, well, getting back to the preseason game against BC, Darnell Sankey was everywhere. This guy was a monster. And you never see that happen in a preseason game where a guy really stands that far out. Like, a, I don't want to say he's a vet because it's only going to be a second season, but like, who? this guy's going to be good. And I'm excited to see what he does in a Jason Shivers defense. Him, Dean, and Moncrief on the field at the same time.
0: Oh my God.
2: When they when they go with three Canadian receivers so they can keep that linebacking core together all year, even after tights gets uh, gets healthy... That's not fair to, to offensive coordinators to try and plan around that, that linebacking core. That's, that's just,
1: that's too much talent. And Greg, you mentioned uh, number 42, Derek Monkary, number 42 on this list as well, which was very, uh, very fitting, I think, just because that's his Jersey number, but the one omission from the riders that I was really surprised by, and there was only one kicker on the list and it was not Brett Lother, which to me, no homerism here at all. Brett Lothar is the best kicker in the league. You line up anyone up there that's going to make a kick in the clutch. That's going to kick a 50 yarder with no problems. To me, that's Brett Lothar every single time. And for the fact that they put Renee Paredes, a guy who missed three kicks in the postseason against the Riders in that semifinal and was single handedly. The reason why the Stamps lost that game is a joke.
2: The only other kicker I would put up against Brett Lothar in the league right now is green cast favorite. Sergio, Sergio Though those are the top two in the league right now. R- Renee Paradis, this he is proof that l- this list is career based and not current. Five years ago, even a few years ago, Rene Renee Paradis was the best kicker in the CFL. He is not anymore. He will not be I think I think this got it has to be his last season. He was on the downfall last year.
0: Oh it was that pretty postseason
2: it was- game. Proved it.
0: It was pretty fun last, uh, last year during that playoff game when both Stamps fans and Ryder fans were tweeting how the best kicker was going to win the game, and they were both. Everyone was right. The best kicker did win that game.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, well, <laughs> Craig, I know you really want to get into this. Let's get into our rant of the week. Kenny Lawler, six, six.
0: Are you kidding me? Six. He, he's not even the sixth best receiver. All. On this list, and he is six in the top
1: 50. Okay, where give me your top receivers then who's better than him?
0: Uh, just going through this list, uh, Brian Burnham, yes, Lucky Whitehead, yes, Eugene Lewis, yes, uh, Duke Williams, hell yes, Jake Wanneke, hell yes. Uh, who else is on this list that is better than uh, Lawler, Reggie, Reggie Bagleton. Bagleton? Like, he's not even the 6th best receiver on this list and he's number 6 in the top 50 like I'm glad the Winnipeg Free Press got all their votes in because th- this this list is a joke there's no way in hell he's the 6th best player in the league I don't think he's even going to be the best receiver in Edmonton like come on Like these lists I think they're just made well they are, they're made to cause controversy and that's the only way I can explain him being that high on the list and Renee Paradis on this list above actual players that do something. Hell, Nick Dembski is 49. Thousand-yard receiver Nick Dembski never happened. We're still waiting for that. Thousand-yard receiver, okay. No, still not there. Like Maybe, maybe career-wise, he might get there. I can't believe Nick, Dembs- uh, Nick Dembski cracked this list. There's got to be, at 49, there's got to be at least two better players than Nick Dembski that were below him to make this list. Shaq Evans? Would you yeah. put Shaq there's ahead one. of Dembski? So then that kicks Henock off the list, which I don't think Henock had a great season last year either. So him being on this list is definitely career-based. And that passport probably doesn't help either. I don't know. Like This list, every year, the top 50 list comes out and everyone just kind of shrugs their shoulders or gets very angry about it. This year I decided to get very angry about it.
2: I see, I find it really funny that you you kick Henock Mwamba off the list because he had a not-so-great last season but put on Shaq Evans who had I, I don't even think not so great. No, I I didn't do
0: that. Or are you talking to Alex?
2: Well, you just well, you just agreed to Shaq Evans being on that list above. I Nick I Dembski. think he,
0: I think he's better than Nick uh, Nick Demsky. I would take Shaq uh Shaq over Nick Demsky 5 days a week.
2: Well, I know, I just I just thought it was funny that you kicked uh what's a Mwamba off for not having a good season but left but put Shaq back on there because he was no one, so great in 20, 2020
0: why? well no 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 mm-hmm. one in toronto's defense had a good season last year let's be honest <laughs> like i don't know like some like some of this is this list sure i like it but i just can't believe some of these guys that made it that i think it's players that uh reporters like like Hinock, like nick and yeah i don't know it just there's other there's better players in this league and I like Nick Dembski. I, I thought him going to the Bombers was a mistake for the Riders. I thought he had showed potential, but he's still, I'm still waiting on that thousand year uh, season that everyone says he's going to get, but he's I, he's never going to get it.
1: Well, this might have to be the year for him with uh, with Lawler now gone and gone, going to Edmonton, leaving the, and Darvin Adams also gone to Ottawa, leaving the Bombers a little bit thinner at receiver. So,
0: like, I would have put Brady Olivier, uh over Demski on this list. Really, I think I would. I think he's, he's he's got more upside. When when Harris was hurt, it was him and Augustine that were
1: carrying the load, and the Winnipeg offense didn't look out of place. I don't disagree with that, but uh, I just find that interesting because I would say that's more a product of a, of a very fantastic O line. That's and I mean I don't mean that as a slight against Brady Olivier because he's had. He had a good season last year. Given, given Oliviera's love for
2: dogs, I'm not sure allowed. I'm not sure you're allowed to ever say anything bad about him.
1: This
0: is true. This mm-hmm. is true. <laughs> but the fact <laughs> remains, Kenny Lawler is not number six on this list. Yeah, he, pro- uh, he probably sh- he should probably should be in the Nick Dembski spot, and everyone else can move up.
1: Good year last year, but not worth number six. All right. Well, let's get to the upcoming game or the games this week. We'll talk about the riders here going up against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, 5 p.m. on Saturday at Mosaic Stadium, the season opener, the home opener. And a couple of things I'm really curious about this, I and mean, we kind of brought this up on the last episode it was about the ratio and what they're gonna do. So we already know Mike Adams starting at safety. We know that you have your three offensive linemen with Furland, Clark, and Evan Johnson starting in the middle there. You know you have KSB at receiver at five. You probably have Justin McInnes starting, so there's your sixth Canadian. Where is the seventh Canadian going to come in? Steve, you alluded to it earlier. Maybe it's uh, Emil- or that the riders go with three receivers. Do they go with Samuel Emelis? What's interesting is he actually got number one reps in practice on the first day. So they're all obviously kind of already looking that way. That was with Emelis and KSB and McInnes. So maybe that's an option. Maybe it's Jamal Campbell on the offensive line. Maybe he's the right tackle instead of Natai Rogers. But what's interesting is they also had Nelson Lacombo getting number one reps as well at corner. So I'm really curious to see where that seventh Canadian comes in because it seems like at least through the first day of practice, it could be anywhere. And they're really trying to see what the best mix is going to be. I, I think it's gonna be LaCombo. That's the reason
0: why they dropped him when they did. Dude has NFL caliber talent coming out of college. I think LaCombo is the answer, but you got to be able to rotate him through. That's the worst part. So your receivers are probably where it's actually going to land.
2: The only concern with with throwing Emelis out there is that's really starting. That's going to really test your your depth at at Canadian receiver. They've got some guys behind him, but. They're, they're suddenly a couple injuries away from serious uh, serious issues at the ratio. But I think I think that is the answer. I think that's the route they go. I think Emelis will will get that start uh, along, at least until Karan Moore is healthy. Then, you know, you start to ask some questions again. And hopefully by then you look at getting um, Micah Tights back and you can bounce things around a little bit again. But for game one on
0: Saturday, I think it's... I don't hate Jamal Campbell, though. If it's a coin toss between him and Natai Rogers, you throw Campbell out there and then you got yourself some breathing room. It's fairly easy to hide a Canadian on that offensive line without taking a step back, unless they're absolutely brutal, but it's going to be better than anything we
1: had last year. Well, that's the thing is it's obviously going to be a step up from Brett Boyko Mm -hmm. at right tackle. so. Pretty sure Greg was next up on the
2: depth chart for the riders next year or last year. Probably
0: actually.
1: (laughs) And I'm curious to see how the running backs, the rotation works with uh, Jamal Morrow. And uh, we mentioned earlier, Frankie Hickson. Um, I'm really curious to see if Morrow, if it's like a one, a one B kind of platoon two running back system that they run, or if Morrow is the one with Hickson as the clear number two and Jamal Morrow gets the chance to really prove that this is his backfield. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that turns out.
0: Everything I've seen, I like Hickson better as a runner and Morrow better as a returner. So that's what I would go with. But I don't get paid to coach in this league. so
2: I think the biggest question mark is who else do we throw back as a returner?
1: Because I don't think anybody really lit it up back there
2: They were putting
1: everyone back there at returner in day one of practice, try and figure it out. Jacob Prawl was back there. They had, you know, multiple defensive backs back there as well, too. They they were just putting everybody back there to try and figure out what they're going to do. I think it's going to end up being Morrow, and I think it should be Morrow. I think he's the best returner that they have on the team. And that's where you can kind of platoon both him and Hickson on the offense. Or on the offense running back position, I think, uh, you know, give Morrow just honestly split series. I think that's probably the best bet going forward just to keep Morrow fresh on the returns and, and go from there. I think the biggest question mark from what you just said is who
2: does Jacob Prawl have pictures of in compromising positions that he's getting such a high look everywhere, despite not really showing anything in camp or in preseason.
0: I didn't think he looked bad in that game.
2: He he looked okay. He he was the okayest of receivers.
0: Paul McRoberts was around for how how long, and he looked okay until actual game time. But,
2: but at least Mc, McRoberts lit it up in camp and and looked good until it mattered. That's the thing is you didn't really hear anything about Prawl until he was suddenly on the depth chart at number one uh, with with the ones in the in the BC game. He, he was not any somebody anybody talked about, and now he's, you know, getting that shot. He made the team over Wea. He is getting a look at returner. I'm just, it's just one of those question marks. But obviously, we don't get to see everything that happens in camp. We don't get to see the discussions with the with, with the coaching staff. And maybe he's just picked up
1: the the playbook better than anybody. Or and I think that's the, that's the key right there is picking up the playbook and proving that he can play all the positions in the receiving core and, and knows all the routes. So he's got to be a guy that clearly knows the playbook and has and gone head first right into it. Otherwise, this weird push for him to be a starter just seems weird because he hasn't proven it on the field to me that he should be a starter. But, I mean, the coaches seem to love him. They see something with him. They think that he can be something. So, And he's going to be rookie of the year come November. Yeah, I have no reason (laughs) not to trust this coaching staff. They've done a wonderful job the last few years. So, uh, I mean, you can't really expect a, a ton from the guy anyway. It's going to be a Shaq, Duke, and KSB offense, at least until Kyron Moore comes back and you add that in there. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's, at well, that's it. He's, he's, receivers.
0: He just has to run the right route while those four are around him. If, if he gets out there at the same time, like just just go out there and catch the ball that comes at you. Like, don't be Micka Roberts and set it up to
1: the defense. That's all you got to do. <laughs> it, well, and Co- and Cody actually, uh you know, just kind of uh, alluded to that in uh, in in his post practice day one of the week uh, scrum. They basically saying, I I think that I need to make the receipt, like trust my teammates to go out there and make plays and let them be the stars. I don't need to do everything. And I think that, or this is Cody saying that he thought that he was putting too much of it on himself to try and make something happen when he has these fantastic targets around him. So just go out there and do your job. That's it. I, I hate that. It's so cliche. Just go out there and do what you're supposed to do. But I think if that's what the offense does, and it's going to open up a lot of things on this offense. And we're going to see those deep balls hit every once in a while to Duke and Shaq. And it's going to be a very, very steady offense. I'm not going to say it's going to be a potent offense because Jason Moss always seems to have that dink and dunk offense that he's had forever. But I think it's going to be something that can be a very, very effective offense for the riders. And if we can see them, you know, generally just not throwing it, you know, seven, 10 yards, but, Completing those 15, 20 yard passes it doesn't have to be the big, long, you know, 40, 50 yard plays. But if you're hitting those intermediate routes, those 15 to 20 yards, getting chunks at a time like that, that's a very effective offense. And that's going to lead to a lot of bigger things.
0: I'm just glad that at the start of the season, Kyron Moore is not our uh, long
1: uh, or our deep receiver because that just did not work at being a season last year. And Hamilton, what do you guys think of Hamilton going to this year now with uh Dane Evans clearly being the number 1 there, being the guy for the Tie Cats? I like I like Dane Evans. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite yet anyway. Um but I think I think they'll they'll be fine. This is going to come down to I remember remember their home game against Hamilton in 2019 where it came down to Cody Fajardo. That was the corn dog sprinkled Jesus game, I think. Um where he on had the him. touchdown yeah where he had the touchdown at the end of the game and uh, it's gonna be a close I think lower scoring game generally speaking at the start of the season games are a little bit low, lower scoring anyway I think it'll be a close tight game though
2: if, if the preseason is any indication this is not going to be a low scoring game there there was a lot of offensive firepower through the uh, the two weeks of the preseason for for Dane Evans though I think it's it's good for him to finally take control of the team and not spend his season looking over his shoulder wondering when Masoli's going to take over or when he's going to lose his spot. He now knows this is his team going forwards. He can he can take the take the reins off a little bit and
0: and run with it. But technically that's also a problem because you don't have Masoli behind you anymore, so there goes your uh, parachute in case things go sideways. Like I like Dane. I think he's a good quarterback, but there's a reason why the cats weren't quick to get rid of Mazzoli for two years or three seasons, I guess, because they knew Dane's good, but can he lead this team? And they had to make a decision this past season and they picked Dane over Missoli. So I think they made the right decision, but is the depth behind him just in case? I don't know. I think, it, but I think you're right. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, Hopefully, well, not hopefully, I don't, I don't want to have a heart attack on the first game of the season, but um, having a little of that uh, Cody magic at the end of the game, uh, doing that diving touchdown will be fun again in, in the corner in front of me again, but it should be a, a good game. It should be a good start of the season. I think
1: Yeah, as worried with the uh, lack of tickets sold for this game. There's still a lot of empty seats.
2: It's, it's a hard thing to look at You, the, the entertainment business as a whole is fighting over a lot of dollars that aren't and aren't there anymore. Everything's going up, inflation's up, gas prices are almost two ten right now. Like it's insane to see all of these things that are going to affect the riders more than any other team because we do get so many out of town fans coming to games. Am, am I like I'm not? Obviously, I'm I'm not worried about it because it's not much. There's not much they could do. But it is a concern going down the line in a gate driven league to see that kind of attendance
0: in Saskatchewan. But the, the good news, well, I guess the good news for the rider is re- revenue sharing is going to be a thing. Because
1: BC's about to sell out. Like, that's good news for this league. Yeah, their lower bowl is uh, just about filled up, which is what, 20... 25?
0: 25, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So if they can open the upper, upper bowl and, and get to. Even approaching the 30k, that'd be absolutely incredible for BC.
0: Huge for BC.
1: They've only
2: topped 24,000 tickets sold twice since 2016, is what I read, and they're looking at over 25,000 for the home opener. Now, in the the question is, how much of this is wanting to see Lions football, and how much is of this is that people wanting to go see One Republic? That's a that's a pretty big draw for a uh, the home opener. I'd be curious if that carries over into the next game, but it's all about getting butts and seats. Make them fall in love with the, with the game like we did.
0: Hey, we got random country singer, somebody at our, yeah. Who's that guy? I, 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 I at this point, I don't know if I'm no longer with it. And by the time I knew what, what it was, I'm no longer with it. Or <laughs> this guy's literally nobody. How many Simpsons references that time? <laughs> uh three for sure. I,
2: below your quota. Uh,
0: but I, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I or this Pepsi cup summer concert series is getting worse every year, and I'm I'm justified by saying that. I don't know. Uh yeah, what we they uh, one republic and we get some dude with a guitar and a banjo and jug. I have no idea.
2: They, they don't even have his name, li- whoever it is, listed on their theme days.
0: Yeah, they... they they, Actually, yeah, they don't
2: they have any they, of them listed.
0: Yeah, no, they haven't announced any concert except for the home opener guy. And like I said, I don't know his name. So,
1: gay? At least when they announced Jojo Mason last year, I knew who he was. And this is a bigger problem. It just goes to the marketing of the game it just where the league is it's so hit and miss with what they're doing if we can't even tell you who's going to be performing at halftime that's a problem Now what yeah. do you what do you guys think of uh Larry Tannenbaum's uh MLSE guy comments about uh how he doesn't like the structure that the league is in and basically without saying it said that we're the ones pushing for four downs and for this XFL deal and all that kind of stuff
0: well, thank you, Larry, for telling us stuff we already know. <laughs> like, he finally said the quiet part out loud. Yes, we, we understand that Toronto is pushing to be, I guess, I hate to use this term, but it, it's more, yes, four down football is probably more accessible for the people that kind of know what football is, because they're probably more familiar with the NFL, so then they come to the Canadian football and the wacky rules with one less down and more guys on the field. And what the hell is the, the guy missed a field goal? Why are they celebrating one point? Like it makes no sense to people. And I get that, but you still need to market the game you got. And I, I saw a few Argos fans get mad. Don't say the Argos don't market the, don't market the team. Yeah. They market the team, but they don't market like they do the Raptors or the Leafs. like, the Argos are still, or the TFC, like they play in the same uh, uh, stadium as the TFC. They don't draw anywhere near there because they don't have the marketing budget that TFC does, and you can't tell me that they do. There's no way.
2: Well, in in TFC's defense, the the budget and money that MLS brings in versus what C, what CFL football brings in is is like trying to compare NFL to Arena League football. It's I, no, and I get that. very different budgets and, that, and two very different experiences I, I
0: i get that but take a fraction of that budget like they do that's th- the problem no i know but no but here, but no like that, that well, the, yeah everything's a fraction <laughs> one thousandth of a percent is still a fraction it doesn't mean it's a good one <laughs> but that, that that's i guess that's a bonus of them being a part of a conglomerate you can shuffle money around to help juice your other assets the the riders are nothing but riders football. That is all they got. They got to make it work. When and when if TF, if TFC is having a down year, MLSC can just go. I'm going to borrow some money from the Leafs this year and put it in uh, into TFC and boost it. Put some money into the Argos. Try to make that a a profitable enterprise.
2: But I think now, the difference I, is if you look at again looking at the money that that comes in, you can throw all the money in the world into the Argos and they're still only going to make you on a good year, a couple of million dollars. If you throw all that money into TFC or into the blue Jays, well, not the blue Jays, but the, uh, the Leafs or the Raptors like 905, that, right? You're talking about tens of millions of dollars.
0: And, and I get, and I get that, but at some point, if you want to make that entity profitable, you got to take
1: some hits. They don't care. They don't need to. It's a write-off for them. At worst. Now, at what point, and I brought this up on Twitter, do we stop looking at the marketing? Because they are marketing the team. Maybe not to the extent that they should be, but they are marketing the team. And you look at the market itself. People in Toronto want the best of the best because they're a big city. They're used to having. You have the Leafs. You have the NHL. You have the Jays with the MLB. You have... I mean, if you want to go see pro football, the best pro football there is, you're probably going to hop down to Buffalo and go see Josh Allen. So is it the market itself of Toronto that wants the best of the best? And they know the CFL is not the best football league in the world.
0: That once again, though, that to me, that leads to both marketing and perception. If you're going to go, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're not the bills, yeah, you're you're kind of screwing yourself before you start. But what are you gonna do? Like, I, I always kind of get ma- got mad when people said if we take a team out of Toronto and the CFL's gonna die. I don't think so, but I don't think you need to surrender and pack them up and move them to Quebec City. Like, I believe a team can exist in Toronto, you just got to find the right way to get it in front of people moving on moving out of uh, rogers center probably the best thing they ever did because when you only when you have very few fans as it is putting them in a giant stadium like that it makes it look a ton worse to the fact i remember watching Ryder games there and they just that close view of the field so you couldn't see how empty the seats were so i think they can get there but when you got their uh, board of governor, their governor basically crapping all over the league. That's not good for anyone either. I, I think one of the problems is you're looking at Toronto right
2: now, and all of their teams either are successful right now, right now or have been in very recent memory. The Raptors just won a, a title. TFC won not that long ago.
0: they believe they're on the first round <laughs> every year.
2: But they're still, they're at least a top tier team until the playoffs. Right, the Jays are expected to compete for the AL East. Right, you're looking at four big teams in a big market, who are all drawing right now because of success. That's that's where the problem lies. But you can't tell me there are not thirty thousand people in how many million exactly who will will come out. You just have to find out. It's not about throwing more money at it. It's about throwing effective money. And Find exactly. where it's coming from. Find where the fans that are there are coming from and what got them into it and market it that way. And and look if you're not and, gonna spend the money, spend it wisely.
0: And if you want to look for a recent example, look at what BC is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Like they were basically also a laughing stock, and they're about to fill their lower bowl. And you couldn't say that two years ago. And Braley owned both teams and both teams were just losing money, just hemorrhaging money. And now they both, well, one team's on a turnaround and MLC owns the other one. Now the, the question in BC,
2: the, the guy who bought the, the lions, does he own any other team?
0: Nope.
2: No, No. So that's the, no. that's the other thing is he, he's kind of like the riders. He can just look at the BC market and make it work. Whereas MLSC goes, uh, eh. We got, we got this. We got that. We got that. If the Torontos don't, if the Torontos, if the Argos don't succeed, well, I guess we get a tax write-off, and they move on because the amount of money they're going to lose is money in their couch, right? So they they have no real reason to push to succeed. Whereas at least BC, they have to push for it. You know, you're seeing what they're doing in Edmonton right now. That's that's it. That's their team. It. Where where do you where do you find that?
0: Balance, though, and that's what I mean. Like, if MLSC wanted to make Argos work, I believe they have enough smart people in that organization to make it work. They don't have the will or heart to push. They want it easy, and it's not. Unfortunately, in that market, it's not easy.
1: Hopefully, they can uh, draw in a consistent amount of fans, and I mean, even if it's only fifteen thousand fans a game, that's fine as long as it's consistently like that, they can build from there and go from there. But if they don't, if they're getting 6,000 and then 8,000 and then seven thousand and twelve thousand, like where it's all over the map, hopefully with the way that the schedule is laid out this year, no stupid Tuesday games. And obviously we won't have rescheduled games going to Wednesday and whatever and all that kind of stuff with 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 this schedule. But as long as things stay consistent, I think that's a big win for the Argos. So if they can do that, and again, having even twelve thousand, just it's got to be a consistent number that looks okay on television. And obviously, having a winning team helps. But I, I honestly don't know what the answer there is there anymore. I really don't, because everyone says, "Well, you, do you they need to market better." Well, how? What else can well, they do? The sad thing is, they've got very passionate fans. Believe me, I ran Fantastic into a fans. bunch.
0: I, I ran into a bunch of them on Twitter when I cracked jokes about their attendance. So they, they have a fan base, but when you have those diehards going, I can't find a Argos hat with the boat logo on it. Sorry. That's a marketing issue. That's, that's not anything else issue. That's a big marketing issue where you don't even, can't even get the current logo on a hat.
2: Well, you know, you said they have passionate fans. I have to agree. I went to, I did that three games out East in three days trip a few years back. And I got to go to, it was Montreal or um, Toronto versus Edmonton. So I had no skin in the game. I was just going to watch football. And that may have been one of the loudest crowds I, I've been at. Like they, the fans that show up make a ton of noise. They got metal benches. It's designed to be loud. They just need to fill it. But I think step one to filling it is start selling the seats on the other side of the stadium first. Because right now, you're watching a game in, in Toronto on TV. Everybody that's at the game is on the side that the cameras aren't pointing at. So you've just got this it's big cavern. That's a problem. Because they're all on the side. They all want to be on the side that the, um, the team is on.
0: That's Wrestling Promoter 101. You put everyone on the other side yeah. of the hard camera.
2: And they're doing it backwards. And that's that's the thing. I, what I, I expected to see an entire empty stadium when I went And it was, it was near packed on the one side and the other side, you could, you could have thrown rocks across an aisle and hit nobody. Like there was nothing there. That's their mistake. So if you're watching a game on TV, you see nobody in the crowd. What's good. Why would you want to go? You flip that around. Suddenly it looks, Hey, there's, there's a bunch of people there. That looks like fun. And that's one of
0: the, and that's one of the best things the riders ever did. They, even though they weren't selling out, they lifted the blackout. And made the games look like they were fun, and then all of a sudden they started selling out like every game, because people were like, "Hey, that looks like a good time. I want to go." And next thing you know, their ticket sales were through the roof. So, I don't know. I do. I. We can go in circles with saying what Toronto should and shouldn't do. They need to cultivate the fans they got, and try to expand that market. Like I, it's not easy. And not like, but like Steve said, you should be able to find thirty thousand fans or even twenty-five thousand fans in a market that big.
1: All right, one more thing on our list here this week before we go, and it's back to our pick'em of uh, the CFL pick'em games to regular season games to pick. And I'm looking forward to this. I love week one. There's always something wild that happens that nobody expects whatsoever. So I'm curious. Ottawa beat so- Winnipeg. Ooh, <laughs> Damn, you took mine. Damn it! All right. Well, let's start on uh, Thursday night with the uh, the Reclos game, Montreal at Calgary.
2: I'm not dignifying this one with a response now. To hell with the Reclos! Wow,
1: you heard Ale. The live
0: Walkers the night. are
1: nice people. Yeah, Steve. long
0: live the night. The, the Walkers are awesome. Uh, Calgary, a new
2: song. That's all. That's who wins. No, uh, I'm going to go Montreal.
1: I, w- I want to say Montreal, but I think Calgary wins this one. Uh, Ottawa, Winnipeg. 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 Yeah, I want to say Ottawa just with the changes that they had to the entire roster, but I think with that many changes, it's going to take a little while for them to gel and, and basically figure each other out. So that
0: said, fast. if if, if uh, Ottawa wants to like just punch him in the throat for on their their banner raising night, Go at it, Paul LaPolice. Go at it.
2: I want to see Jeremiah Masoli
1: just light them up. You know he's going to come into that game hungry. Uh, And then a doubleheader on Saturday. Hamilton at Saskatchewan. I'm going with the Riders in this one. Riders. Go on, Captain Homer. Uh, I don't know why this is so tough for me.
2: I'm going Hamilton.
0: Alexander Hamilton? That's right. This is the only thing you haven't done. Just you wait. I'm going to punch you
1: in the throat. And finally, the uh, the game of the week. And I joked about this before. Uh, this is, I think this is going to be just a brutal game. Edmonton, well, if everything gets
0: more than one point, it's, a, it's, a, it's an improvement. I like BC in this one.
2: It, yeah, BC. One nothing.
0: Like, this uh. is going to be Chris Jones' year one riders. That team was still terrible. He made all those changes and the team still didn't get any better. I don't see it. Edmonton didn't get better, they did not get any better. So yeah, I'm, go- I'm going with Nathan Rourke. Oh my yeah. god, I'm going with Nathan Rourke.
1: You guys, you guys sold me. I was thinking Edmonton, but uh, no, you sold me. Nathan Rourke just being with the team last year as well, knowing what's going on. Uh, yeah, I'll go with BC as well. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here on the Pipples I, I, I got one thing I bring up. You got one I, thing. I, I, that's right, Greg. You I, mentioned I, this before. You wanted to bring something up.
0: I, I, got, I got to plug something. So the Regina Thunder online auction is, starts Thursday, uh, June 9th. Um, it's a fundraiser for the Thunder. It goes to scholarships for the athletes and uh, general operating costs. It's one of our biggest fundraisers because I'm on the board. And they got a lot of, for the rider fans out there, there's a ton of stuff. Um, I know Alex is probably looking at the autographed uh, Dan Clark Tom Trojans helmet because he's a big helmet collector. Uh, there's a 2021 signed football. Uh, there's some awesome ticket packages uh, for the riders uh, in the AGT Lounge and the Alvana Lounge as well. Uh, a Logan Ferland autographed Thunder jersey with a CFL mini helmet donated by the uh, uh, our friends at the CFL.
1: That actually. Craig, that's the one I'm looking forward to mo- the most is the, uh, the mini helmet. Cause that's something that'll fit on my head.
0: There you go. Um, yeah, no, some awesome prizes on here. Uh, stuff, uh, Ben Hebert, uh, autograph has signed some stuff. The bearded chef.
1: Wait, what? Benny, Benny
0: heaves. Benny heaves. Yeah.
1: Autog- uh, I'm in yep.
0: Autog- autograph Jersey, uh, uh, from team Alberta and some other, uh, autograph, something else. I can't remember what off the top of my head. He's great. Yeah. He, uh, I love many heaves. Um, the um, uh, Bearded Chef from Master Chef, former Thunder player, actually, uh, he will do a private meal for you, and it comes with some booze as well. Uh, Josh yeah.
1: Miller was a, th- was a player for the Thunder?
0: Yeah, he played for the Thunder.
1: Really? Yep. I had no idea. Yep. That's cool.
0: Many years ago. So uh, some Hilberg and Burke uh, rider color sparkle balls, some Thunder color sparkle balls. Um check it out. Um, it's on the all the thunder social. It's 32auctions.com backslash Regina Thunder 2022. Uh some great stuff out there. Um, I'm sure I'll be retweeting the links because there's some awesome stuff on here. So check it out. Excellent. I don't know why,
1: but I haven't stopped laughing at the mini helmet joke. It's just it, thanks for, for well, that. Listen, Ferlin was was getting ready to say it, so I figured I had to beat him to the punch. <laughs> It was coming. Well, Piffles Podcast, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elvinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Regina Realty, and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making the show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And uh, like Kurt Angle says,
0: I don't suck, and neither does the Piffles Podcast. Oh, it's true. It's damn true.
1: We definitely don't suck and neither does Tyler Gilbert. Here's Ghost Behind Your Mind.